are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt, and Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Good evening. And are we all drinking standard beers? Are we all drinking beers that are acceptable to yes, buy? It's not my fault, right? So I thought these beers were cheap. Okay. <laughs> so what so are you drinking? I'm Jeff. drinking Mountain Goat Pale Ale. They're not really acceptable. They're mass produced now. <laughs> They've been bought bought out by a big corporation. Fuck off, Ron. So I, I thought you've got to support independent brewers. Mate, Jeff. it's not my fault. So I was in the bottle shop and, and it said it was um, eighteen dollars a six pack. I was yeah. like, oh, that's about my yeah. it's about my industry standard pricing. Anything under twenty dollars, usually around sixteen, is 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 presentable. Went up and took them to the counter, and he said twenty six bucks. Twenty six bucks. Oh. But at that point, I was too embarrassed to say, no, I'm a cheapskate. I thought they were the cheap beers that were sitting next to them. Can I please go back and get the beers I don't really want? <laughs> so I paid the money, um, but I'm disgruntled by it. Mm. Oh, good. Well, I've, I've got my passion fruit gozes again. Delicious. Goze. What have you got, Rog? Uh, just a pale ale. You should be more excited about it. Oh, it's good pale ale. Oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, we are The Football Shed, your weekly podcast by three English folks that live here in Melbourne and drink beers that are sometimes made in Melbourne, sometimes not. Um, we're recording each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. If you enjoy it, give us a review, subscribe, tell your mates about it. Um, if you want to get in contact, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also find us on our shiny new website, footballshed.com. And every week we start with a question... But this week's question is a little bit different. Roger, uh, Jeff, you all right there? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> yeah. You ready for this week's question? It's a bit different, I hear you. I heard you. Yeah. Presenter John. How many trophies are Man City going to win this season? Uh, so wait a minute, that's a question about the future, John. We're I not, know, I know. This is why we don't have a time machine. No, no, okay. So I they're think... in for, they can win four. They've won the League Cup already. Three. Which ones are they going to win? I don't think they will win the Champions League. Okay. Right. So the others. Maybe I'll go while Roche over the two. Pink. What okay, what two? So they've won the League Cup, so they've got to win one more. Two or three. Oh. Uh maybe I should have gone for a question for the past. No, I will go two and they will win the FA Cup. Yeah, okay. It'll so, all come tumbling down a bit and they'll lo- lose the league. Because it's meant to be for Liverpool this year. Yeah. Is it? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, and they, they're not going to win Champions League. Hey, go on, John. I don't I think they'll think... win the Champions League. And I don't think they'll win both the FA Cup and the Premier League. I've got a sneaky feeling they're going to choke in the FA Cup this weekend against Brighton. I think that um, because everyone just says it's already done, it's gone, they've won it. I think they'll choke in the FA Cup. I think they'll choke in the league, but they'll win the Champions League. So I'll get them the Champions League and the League Cup. Yeah, but it's not fair. I always say this. It's not fair, really, on, on Man City because they're coming up against Brighton and Hove. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a question in answer to your question. Yeah. If they won, if they, your prediction is right, yeah. do you think that they would be happy with that as a season? Yeah, because the Champions League is the ultimate for the City group, isn't it? If yeah, you win the Champions League... Fair. Um, they, they'll probably win the league next year and for the next five years afterwards they're not going to get any weaker um, Liverpool have just had the season that they're having um, but you say that but no one has retained the league since 2002 no it's not really that long but it's been since Man United retained it so a long time ago 2010 maybe 2010. I mean look Man City over the whole of the season have played the best football they are the best team they have the best players they, and we talk about Guardiola being an exceptional coach he is and don't get me wrong he is <laughs> but he has coached £50 million players into performing like £75 million players <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. he's not done what some other coaches have done to £10 million players to, to mean that, that there's bidding wars in them to get them for £50 million. So, so yes, it's great what he can do at that end. But we, we've got to recognise that the, a team full of players that are that expensively assembled get paid those high wages and, and work with a coach who is good at turning the cream into the chowder. It's, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. But don't, we do see, like, we see a lot of managers not do that very well. 
Of course we do, we yeah. Have, who have lots of money and can't make these players play well, as a team and play well. well. So you've you, got to give him a bit of credit. Yeah, you. I'm not going to not give him credit. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, he's one of the greatest coaches of our generation at the moment. We're lucky to see him in the Premier League. But one of the... It's a unique skill to be able to take players that are already so exceptional at their craft and improve them. Yeah. And you'd say what Zidane has been doing for the last three years at Real Madrid, he was able to do that. What Guardiola does, he's able to do that. So lots, lots of the coaches have failed because they don't necessarily have that unique skill. Yeah, Guardiola makes Aguero better. When you look at Aguero, you think he's 28, 29 when Guardiola comes in. Can Aguero get much better? Well, it turns out he can get even better. And that's incredible. Like People thought it was the end of Aguero. But actually, Guardiola has just worked with him and made him even better. So here's a question. Here's a, here's a question for you. Who do you think is better? So I'm going to ask your opinion, not the stats. Your opinion. Who do you think is better, Aguero or Thierry Henry? I don't mean now because Thierry Henry's older. <laughs> but at their peak. At their peak. Who would you rather have in your side? They're slightly different players. I understand I'm... that, Roger. They are slightly different players. So it's, well, it's not. Com- I don't feel like it's quite comparing apples with apples. No, but but there is. There are no I apples with apples. I. I... Can't have both. <laughs> I think I'd have Henri on my side because he created something out of nothing. So he, you could rely. Oh, I guess you can rely on Aguero to win you a game, but Henri in a close game would do something as a bit of magic, and I think Aguero does that as well. But. He... <laughs> I would have Henri. You'd have Henri. Just because he's sexy. What would you have, Rog? I'd pick Aguero. I'd, just, I'd love Aguero. I think he's he's more of a pure finisher than Henri. And I think in if I was picking a team... I mean, it's de- it would again depend on, on your team. But I think he is the best finisher that we've seen in, in the Premier League. And Henri could do a, a lot of amazing things. But he was not as good a finisher. And I think in the, that would be what I'd want in my team. It's interesting because they've currently matched each other's goal-scoring record. Okay. Both players have scored 228 goals in the Premier League. Wow. What, what, in the same number of games? This is the difference. It took Henri 375 games. It's taken Aguero 329 games. So there's my, wow, there's that's my a lot point, less. I guess. You know. However, I raise it because when I was looking at those statistics... I had the same kind of emotional reaction to John. And was yeah. like, like, my heart was telling me that I'd prefer Henri. Yeah. And maybe that's one of those signs of nostalgic football fandom. Yeah. That, that, you know, the idea of Henri is, is outweighs the idea of Aguero. Maybe it's, it goes lends to the argument of Aguero being underappreciated or, or undervalued. Well, well, he scores a lot from the, in the six-yard box, whereas Henri scored a lot from... 30 yeah. yards and you know you, it scored those goals like where he would you know drift past seven players and then tuck it in the corner or that one where he took it on his chest and volleyed it in for 30 yeah. yards Aguero doesn't necessarily do that are you kidding me Aguero scores wonder goals he scores the six yard box but he also scores amazing things but they, it's usually where it's a uh, like a hard shot yeah, it's from outside the, the box. Corner. It's pa- power, in, yeah, pa- a powerful shot. It's not necessarily like he's got great cr- close control um, and great strength for a relatively small man, but he hasn't got that ability to like to ghost pass players at pace like on reading. See, I'd argue that. And this is a sweeping statement because it can't be can't be fact checked. I'd argue that if Henri in his prime played in this Manchester City side, he would not be as good as Aguero. Oh. However, if Aguero played in Arsenal's Henri side. He would be just as good as Henri. Or oh, no, no, I don't know if I agree with no, that because I, I think, think that Arsenal team was like built for. If you, so you, don't, if you don't think Aguero could perform that role? No, because they're different players. Yeah, I, but I think I understand Henry... they're different players. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't think that Aguero would have fit with that. Would fit with that team the same way that Henri. I think Aguero is the most efficient goal scorer the Premier League's ever seen. Like he doesn't miss chances. He just you can rely on him more then you can rely on Henri, but Henri does the special things. Aguero for me is more like Shearer. Shearer yeah. would just, you'd know he scored. One-on-one, he's going to score. Penalty's going to score. You just know it's going in the back of the net, but it might not be sexy or it might not be in the top corner, but you know he'll get the ball to the See, net. I, I disagree. Now, I'm going to go for Aguero in this. I'm going to agree with Rog in a way. I'm going to agree <laughs> as far as I can by completely disagreeing, but agree with the conclusion without the, the methodology. I think Aguero is the perfect striker. I think he can he can have games where he's Jamie Vardy. He can have games where he's Chikorito. 
he can have games where he's just like Thierry Henry and he does something on the edge of the box it's absolutely magical he can produce a, a mirror image of strikers that are stuck in their mould Jamie Vardy yeah. only plays like Jamie Vardy Aguero can play like Jamie Vardy yeah. yeah, and I don't think that Henri can play like Chikorito, whereas I know that that yeah. Aguero can. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, that's um, and I think also Aguero lacks a little bit of personality. To, he doesn't like Henri was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was yeah, really he was, cool. Yeah. <laughs> he was really cool. Whereas Aguero is just like yeah, he's all right. Anyway, we should move on from Man City. They won. But so did Liverpool win in the title race. They scraped a 2-1 win in the last minute from a Hugo Lloris era. Um, so they're still, you know, for all the talk of Man City, it's Liverpool two points clear. This is Liverpool's statistically. It's their best season of all time. Yeah. They've never been on this many points at this time of the season. Having only lost one game, Man City have lost more games than Liverpool. So they're doing brilliantly. Their win against Spurs, is that a win of a championship winning team like they teams that win the championship have those bits of luck don't they they've had a few now they yeah (laughs) are they running out of luck or do you think that's that's the hardest game they've got left for the premier league do you think that's got them across the line to believe we're going to do this i i agree that that's the hardest game and i agree that they won by luck although they were pretty good first half i just think it was a game where first half liverpool were on top second half Spurs were on top, and perhaps we've sort of got caught up in the fact that Spurs were a lot better because it was second half and because Soko missed that sitter. Mm. But I think Liverpool were quite good in the first half. Like, uh, you know, Lloris made a couple of good saves. Yeah, but then he made one massive howler. At That's the end. it. Why didn't he just not catch they've, it? They've had a few. Uh, Lloris is what is he uh, conceded nine goals, eight goals from massive howlers. So in his time at Spurs, that's. Second only to Jordan Pickford in his Premier in the Premier League at the moment. Most of those were for Sunderland. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. But um, but that's from individual errors that have cost their team goals. Larissa scored eight, eight or nine. I say scored. Yeah, well, it's basically scored. Yeah, he's a funny goalkeeper because I think of Larissa as being a very reliable goalkeeper. So, um, just bear with me on this. So he can, you know, he's pretty good at um, commanding his box mm. he can come for crosses um, he's a good shot stopper generally and his distribution's good so yeah. he's kind of got he's an got all, all, all round bits. skill sets and he's a leader yeah. generally you can lie on it, rely on him apart from when he gets drunk but apart from when he gets drunk yeah, don't <laughs> let him near your car but he does seem to produce a higher number of howlers than you would expect from a goalkeeper in that World class, like, you know, this is a World Cup winner. Yeah, like in that sort of world class bracket, I don't think he's quite there because every now and then he's. We saw it in the World Cup. He seems to World have Cup this final, ability. Yeah, he just has this ability to just completely spoon it up. Well, I mean, this is going to sound like a cliche, but if he was there, he wouldn't be playing for Spurs. Yeah, like, like yeah. If, if he was, and the the thing is, like De Gea, what's the statistic last year? He won Manchester United twelve points or yeah. something by just single-handedly clawing them out of danger. Lloris doesn't do that to Spurs. Spurs are a full-flowing attacking team. You know, they don't win it through goalkeeping uh, yeah. like masterclasses like Manchester United did last year when they came second, by the way, because of those 12 points. But it was a it was a terrible error. He palmed it out. He had no reason to. Mo Salah's header was really soft. Like Everyone could catch that. And even if um, it was out of viral, so yeah. and even if he wasn't there, someone else was following up. Like It was just terrible what, what he did. What, did he, is it that he got scared and took his eye off the ball and thought he was going to get taken out? Or is it just... Because I'm like, if he wasn't going to catch it, why didn't he punch it? Well, like, it because was... well, I think he, he's always... He's a palmer away that's the word <laughs> yeah, he, <is. laughs> but he always like palms it to one side or punches it he never really catches it but I think the header was actually crapper than he thought it was going to be yeah. he was ready for a bullet header and it was really super soft and then it was super soft so he's just kind of gone oh and then it's gone nowhere it's, it was kind of like a goal that we would score in five a side where everyone gets everything slightly wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> including the goalkeeper yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then it ends up but, in it and yeah everyone celebrates anyway yeah, yeah. I hate goalkeepers that don't catch it it's just one of my just catch the ball like yeah. so many of them like you know unnecessarily like you're allowed to th- there is much more margin for error if you just you know, try and catch it rather than if you're trying to get a perfect, you know, punch away. It can easily, you know, it can go the wrong way or like, just don't do it. Just catch the ball. Yeah. Can we please move the conversation on to that two-on-one with Virgil van Dijk? 
Oh yes. Now I know this is going to be quite an unpopular thing to say because if there was an award for Australia's favourite Premier League player, it would probably be Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah, right now I think he could just walk possibly into the world's favourite because <laughs> uh... everyone is jizzing in his pants. Yes, you know. They're jizz horn camping. They are jizz horn camping <laughs> in Virgil van Dijk. His hair Dyke. does smell very nice. <laughs> coconut, fresh coconut <laughs> on the beach. Um, however, right, we've all seen this. Great defending, I get it. But you could have put a fucking ice cream truck without an engine <laughs> at the edge of the penalty area and Sissoko would have still missed it. Yeah. Because Sissoko is Sissoko, right? When Sissoko runs 60 yards... That's no more Sissoko. He's yeah. he's Sonoko. Like, like he, he's got nothing left, let alone on his weak foot. Now I know you could say that you know Van Dijk played him onto his weak foot, but his decision making gets worse the longer he has the ball. He doesn't like yeah. have epiphanies yeah. when, when he's under pressure in the middle of the park. He can lay it off and he can do that well, and he's improved this season. But Sissoko is, is in essence a really crap footballer. And he's improved a lot though. Oh, like, you can improve. A crap footballer can improve. <laughs> Your baseline is crap footballer, yeah. and I, I, I think refuse. you've been a bit bit harsh. No, he's been an important player for Spurs this year. But I get your point about Sissoko. A bit like we used to talk about Sterling. If he got time to think about it, it all goes wrong. Yeah. Whereas Sterling's improved on that. Sissoko is one of those players. If he's through on goal, nosebleed, panic. This is not where I'm meant to be. Like I'm meant to cross it in or pass it through to someone. I don't know what to do. But I do think that's Van Dyke being smart enough. Just the fact that he completely checks his run. Like if it's the last minute of a game, or it's a game that's important in the league title, and you're the last defender and it's two against one, you could easily just panic and go sprint, get back, tackle, do what dive in. Did, dive. There's so many, and he dive just in. he has the what's presence the, of pres- mind. Thank you, Please. presence of mind to pause and go. Okay, it's Sissoko. I don't want him to pass to Son because Son could finish from here. So I'm going to almost jog back, slow right down and just block that off. Let Sissoko go as far as he can. And that means the goalkeeper can see what's happening and he can come out. And then as soon as he's about to go and shoot, I'll dive in. So what I'm saying, and don't get me wrong, I, I get that and I appreciate that. And, and I will acknowledge that you are right. <laughs> and there aren't many defenders in the world that would have that presence of mind at that point in the game. And be, ab- and be able to not only think about doing it, but then, like, carry it out. I, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that you are right. <laughs> However, where, where, I th- where I differ in opinion is had that been any other player for Spurs, had that been Ericsson who was yeah. making that run, we would have been sitting here going, why didn't Van Dijk dive in? You just gave Ericsson a free shot on his right foot without anyone in the way just to block off a pass. But he might have done it differently if it was Ericsson. Well, if he had done it differently, as we just acknowledged, Ericsson would have passed it to Song and Song would have been free. Well, you don't know that, but I think that's the thing. I think it's it's making the right decision in the moment. And there are very few players who do that as consistently as Van Dijk has done it this season. I'm just not ready. Uh, Though, don't get me wrong, when I watch it, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. But it's just like like one of those perfect goals that you wonder whether they meant it or not. Yeah. I think yeah. that it's it's it's, it's been such a wonderful piece of defending. However, it's it, remember we were we were talking about Aaron Ramsey. Was it Aaron? Ram- no, um, Luke Shaw earlier this year. Oh, his goal scored but, like goal of the season contender. No, where, when his, no, no, you called it a goal. As we said it was a bit of crap. <laughs> well, that's what I mean because, because because if you isolate it, you forget it's Luke Shaw and you say it's Messi. It's goal of the season contender because he, his first touch took it over the defender's head. Second touch, bottom corner, perfect. But the fact that it was Luke Shaw made you go, yeah. oh, like I don't, like the fact that it was just as an isolated moment, it was absolutely perfect. But in any other situation, it might have been exactly the wrong thing to do. If it had flown in the top corner, no one would have mentioned it ever again. We would have just been or saying, well, why, have, didn't, yeah. why didn't he close yeah. him down? We might have said, oh, I should have closed him down. Why but, wouldn't yeah. he close him down? Why wouldn't he slide him? Why, why wouldn't he commit? Yeah. He essentially didn't commit. Is no. he going to win Player of the Year if Liverpool win the Definitely. league? Definitely. Everyone's jizzing in his pants right now. Yeah. Like, there's no room in those pants. <laughs> it's just full of jizz. And of course he's going to win Player of the Year. Um, let's move on from Van Dyke's hair and pants to <laughs> the top four. Um, let's start with Man United. Man United it was a morning. good week for a Liverpool fan. It was very good for Liverpool fans. It was not so good for us Man United fans. So we lost 2-1 to Wolves this morning. John. You gave him the job. 
Yes. <laughs> Why did you give him the job? Well, I said this. Like, <laughs> as soon as you give the job, it's just lined it up for us to come sixth and get smashed by Barcelona in the Champions League, and then everyone go, oh, what, oh, what do we do now? Do you think, as a Liverpool fan, that if... I'm not a Liverpool fan. No, I know. But if they were dreaming about, you know, what their ideal football scenario could ever could be, that it would be winning the league... And United having a really, really shit season at the start of the year, then getting their hopes up because things start to go well, and then just at the end falling over and not making it into the Champions League. Like that, I don't yeah. think it could get much better than that. I, I think you're absolutely right. You, you gave him the job too early. It was, it's pointless. We've, we've spoken about this loads of times about as soon as he started winning games, you were fucked. Yeah. yeah. And, and the more games he won, the worse it got because it was either fan revolt, player revolt, or yeah. logical decision that you made like prior to giving them the job. You know, Pochettino is making, you know, noises about how he's actually a bit annoyed. You know, you're not going to get rid of Oli in the summer now, are you? The, the pressure thing, will build up very quickly, I think. The pressure will build up very quickly. The thing I noticed about this morning is I got up for the game and I wasn't as excited about it. And if it had been a week ago before he got the job, I think mm. I'd been more excited. And I know that doesn't really mean anything, but there was that kind of, oh, we're on this run and Ollie's still doing it and it's all great and now it's just like, oh, Ollie's managed. And, it's and, it, and, it's, and that would, like, that's just me as a fan in Australia getting up early in the morning. It, I think that same feeling would be in the other fans and players and stuff and just going... 100%. Oh, we're all, we know what's going to happen now. We know who's in charge. And so it's difficult to get that motivated. You don't have to prove it to the manager or to the board that we want this guy. And You've got six games left. Relax. You've killed your last six games. You've taken all the pressure off those last six games just focusing on the games and not the narrative. And the narrative is sometimes... You know that the player's bought into the narrative. So yeah. that's what keeps So maybe going. it was good in this case. Yeah. And I I mean to go on to this morning's game or last night's game or wherever you listen to it, the game against Wolves. Mm. Wolves did you a kipper. Yeah. Like the, Wolves the, are really good they, against against the good teams. They are, they are yeah. like watching them pass the ball, like when watching their game management, mm. when they went two one up, I reckon there was like a seven minute spell where they just, you know, were just keeping the ball. And you're like the this is a really good football team. They've won more points against the top six than any other of the 14 other teams. Um, they've won 13 they've, points. And more than Spurs have against the top six. The um, the thing that was interesting was the first goal that, that Wolves scored. So it, if you replay that goal back uh, from a strategic perspective, uh, De Gea played it out to Fred. Mm. This is in the phase before the goal. De Gea played it back to Fred. Now, now Wolves had a diamond of players around Fred that had kind of stepped off him to give him the ball. As soon as he got the ball, they swarmed. So they set the trap. Now Fred played it back to De Gea. Fine. Okay, great. Now you watch those players. They expanded out again to a diamond around Fred. De Gea looked up and went, oh, Fred's Fred's, Fred's free. Played it to him and then he had a poor touch. As soon as he had a poor touch, it's not a surprise that the same four players set the trap for him last time, set the trap for him this time, and were on it. And as soon as they regained possession of the football, they knew exactly what to do. Um, they, the they, first 20 they minutes, did, yeah. In the first 20 minutes, Man United played very well, but going back to the game management of Wolves, they didn't panic. They weren't like, oh no, Man United are playing really well, and we're not going to get anything. They just stuck to their guns and set their traps. And once they got that break from them not panicking and just sticking to their guns, the whole game changed instantly. And, and they, they, they played well. their, I think one thing that, I really rate their manager, but I think one thing they've done well this year is is play their style of football. Like he's tried to impose his style on other teams, and I think to do that as a newly promoted team, like we shouldn't underestimate that. Like I know they've got a lot of resources, but I've been very impressed with them against you know the big teams. But it, the um, the only other thing I was going to say, you didn't uh, did you rotate? Your, um, your team because I, I didn't watch the whole game this morning, but I saw there were a few. You know, we're talking about Fred playing, McTominay obviously playing. Yeah, and, and Pogba started midfield. Um, whereas, Lukaku started. Rashford didn't. And you won at the weekend. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say about that game was uh, Luke Shaw's. We talked about Luke Shaw before, but his pass. Yeah, uh, I think it was the first goal was through for Rashford. Yeah, when he was ran amazing. On. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. But I just wondered whether. Is it that you don't quite have that squad depth? I think it's somewhere. more that we. Oh, the problem is the centre backs. 
and not both of the centre backs. It's we need Virgil Van Dijk or an equivalent of. Mm. You need a leader in there. The goal that won the game for Wolves this morning was exactly the kind of scenario. It was a very different scenario that Van Dijk was in against Spurs at the weekend. But it's the kind of scenario that if you had a Van Dijk in there, he would have taken charge and just cleared it and made There aren't happen. many Van Dykes, though. No, yeah. there's not. But there are good leader centre-backs and Smalling and Jones just aren't really that, are they? they? They've he, improved a lot, though. Like Lindelof has looked a lot better since Solskjaer yeah. came in. Smalling's improved. Who's the guy who signed for 50-odd million? Bailly? Bailly. Like, yeah. so I, 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 think, I think you're right, John. Even without being... Um, so kind of theoretical. I think that first goal wouldn't have happened. And I'm not saying because you had a Van Dyke. Saying that if firstly the ball shouldn't be going to Fred, the ball should be going to a centre back if you're doing that. If if you go to Fred first time and the trap is set, the next time you don't go to Fred. So long. So if yeah. if De Gea trusted his two centre backs that were in front of him, he wouldn't have bypassed them to go to the defensive midfielder when he was under pressure. That's point number one. You're right about your centre backs. Point number two, if they were more tactically astute, after seeing that trap, they'd have gone to the fullbacks. They'd have gone wide, left mm. and right, and knowing that that diamond was already going to crush Fred, they would have had space. And that space is exactly where Luke Shaw got that first ball in. That was absolutely brilliant. So I think that there are two problems just in that one phase of play. That was number one, no confidence in the centre backs. Number two, no technical tactical flexibility to change in game. So that's both recruitment and management. And we also started with three at the back. We started like a three-five-two. Mm. And we had Ashley Young as the right full back, uh, the right the centre back. Um, Ooh, that's which, bit, which is a bit odd. And it started, it started really well. Like it, we were playing good football and we were attacking, and we genuinely should have been two or three up by half hour in. But once, and again, kudos to Wolves. Once they sussed out the way we were playing, they worked it out, and they in their in-game management worked out. Okay, they're doing this, and then they got back on top. So I, I like that. Ollie went for something a bit different, but then once it got found out, it couldn't mm. get changed. And then Young got sent off. Terrible in, tackle. Now, in, in football, watch managers. That <laughs> sounds like a, a weird thing, but if you there is a there is a very different type of celebration a manager will 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 give if a set play has worked. So if you do like a really cute free kick that you would do a reverse pass to a runner and it goes in, yeah, something that you've tried on the training ground all week. The way a manager celebrates is like they've scored the goal themselves. Yeah. Now it's very different to a you know a Lukaku you know bustling someone off and slotting it to the bottom corner and and they go yeah fist in the air that's cool. Now you watch the way Nuno celebrated after that first goal. It was like he did it himself. Yeah. Now that's the difference between those two sides. Yeah, and he's set those traps. Um, let's move on to the rest of the top four. A Man United going to make top four? No, no. Fucked. I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, John. No. Um, someone I do think is going to make the top four is Arsenal. Um, they won at the weekend against... Who did they play? Oh, they beat Newcastle 2-0, didn't they? Solid win. Yeah. Um, but they've got the best run. They're in third right now, and they've got a game in hand on Man United. And it looks good for them. Um, Spurs have got their first game at the new stadium tomorrow morning, um, which I'm actually quite looking forward to oh, yeah, watching. Um, I think Spurs, because they've got that new stadium bounce, it's either going to be the best thing ever, and they're going to go on a run, and they'll finish in the top four with Arsenal, or playing in a new stadium is weird. They could choke. Super weird. It could go really wrong. It will just be like, all oh, the change rooms are a bit different, or this is a bit different. I say it's super weird. I've never played in a new stadium. <laughs> I assume it's super yeah. weird. It's like it's parking just, in a new car park. Especially yeah. this time of the year yeah. as well. You know, because it's... I feel like there'll be added pressure. Because, mm. you know, it's your fan, the fans will feel it. They'll be excited because they're in the new ground, and but they'll also know they've got to make the Champions League. So <laughs> it could, like, foster this atmosphere of... of I think very easily, if a couple of results don't go the right way, all of a sudden it's difficult to play at home because you can feel that pressure. And, and you know, I, I look back to a, an interview I once heard with um, uh, Thierry Henry again. I'm going to talk about Thierry Henry. Talk about what it was like to play at Highbury. So if you remember, for those who didn't like football back then, and Arsenal used to play at a ground called Highbury, which was a... a Tiny. brilliant but tiny football stadium mm. I wouldn't even call it a stadium it was, it was an old school football ground it's absolutely brilliant but they had a clock at one end 
Now, Thierry Henry said that when he played at home, this is him talking about the Invincible season. He said that when he played at home, he had reference points around the ground. Mm. So he would look up and he would see certain stands or he would see the clock over his shoulder and be able to pick it out. because he, And by doing so, he knew exactly where the goal was. So he didn't have to look. He could look to the left, he could look off to the pitch, he could look where the dugout was, and he would know, you know geometrically yeah. where he was standing compared to where the goal is. Now that is home advantage. It's not just the, the fans. It's, yeah. not, it's not just having your banner everywhere. It's knowing where you are on the pitch. Now Spurs are going to have their fans. The atmosphere is going to be amazing. The spotlight's going to be on them. But they know that. You know, they know that actually there's a lot of pressure in this game. But then also they have no reference points that make a home advantage important. Yeah, and so, that takes a while to establish. And I think that's a really real thing. That yeah. Just like as a winger, how far... Like, naturally, how wide do I go so that I'm on the edge of the pitch? You actually have to look where the edge of the pitch is. Or little things. They would have been training on it. But they have a couple of times. But that takes years of getting used to. Like, like you you look at um, grounds that have, when you go off the side of the pitch, they slow down. Grounds like uh, Old Trafford, Goodison Park, they both have, have, they're like on a mound. So you know if you're a fullback or you're a winger, what speed you can actually get away with when you're trying to pass someone because when you're going to slip, that's an actual home advantage. Yeah. So, it, it, like Spurs, yes, they have an advantage. Yes, it's exciting, but I don't think that they are will be as good as they are at Wembley because they played there for two years. So, I'm think you think they're going to make top four? I think Spurs and Arsenal make top four. You don't think Spurs make top four? No, I don't. Someone else who I don't think, obviously, by that equation, is Chelsea. It's so close, though, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, Chelsea scraped to win against Cardiff, which was probably one of the ugliest wins <coughs> ever. Just like that goal is really far offside. There's no it's really, like two yards. <laughs> it's yeah. really wrong. The only thing to defend the linesman is if you watch it in full speed, the way that everyone moves at the same time, it kind of looks, well, it's a bit weird. It's a bit like they all move in and out at the same time, but when the ball's actually played, there is a whole yard. Have you seen Jamie Carragher's analysis on this? No, no. what he say? He put on a um, virtual reality headset and was standing in the position of the linesman and then you could see his view on the screen so he was doing it to illustrate from a linesman's perspective what the view was for the goal and it wasn't only the weird movement of the players there was also you're saying that when Willian took the um, it was from a corner? It was, it was a cross. Corner, across, yeah. yeah. But it was near the corner flag. Yeah. And the way he moved immediately after striking the ball, his head moved across as um, as Pucoleto's moving the other way. And as they passed in the offside position, he, he's blocked by... So it's so just the one of those... Yeah. The views blocked. So it's just one of those weird ones where the linesman probably couldn't see it. And so he, he had to sort of go with a bit of a hunch... And it's you know that's where you want your VR. I can't wait to not have these conversations. Yeah. Because if we're going to invest in fucking VR if headsets, Jamie, yeah. why can't yeah. we invest in it? If Jamie Carrick is getting around in a virtual reality <laughs> headset, maybe we should have. But like that's proof that something is is wrong. But um, the thing about the annoying about this game wasn't that goal. Yeah. Like that wasn't a goal. But I think that comes on the back of other things in the game. Now mm. there were two. In my opinion, absolute stonewall penalties. For oh, I completely in agree. In this yeah. game, and like you know, sometimes with the holding and grappling, you're like, well, they're both doing it a bit. Yeah. But these ones, I'm like, how is how is the referee or the linesman not not seen, seen that? Like, and I can understand. I quite like seeing Neil Warnock get really irate because it's funny. Like, he's, <laughs> when he gets really angry, and it, yeah. it, but I. I think in this instance he was completely vindicated. Yeah, I did feel a little sorry for him this weekend. Yeah. I was just like, like I'm not, I'm a fan of Winnie Warnock because he's funny to watch and he says some interesting things and I don't always agree with them, but he's definitely it's good to he's have a character. Yeah, it's good to yeah. have people in football who aren't just yes men and say the right things. But I did feel a bit sorry for him this weekend. No, I don't. I don't buy it. No, I don't buy it. I think this weekend is the single greatest weekend of Neil Warnock's life. <laughs> because Neil Warnock is a Brexit-loving racist dinosaur. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I mean we're on a podcast. Yeah. I was paying advertising dollars. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he loves nothing more than to blame someone else for his problems. Now, we have played 32 games this season, and Cardiff are where they are, right? 
Now, do you remember when Neil Warnock got Sheffield United relegated? Yeah. You know, that was the year that Carlos Tevez was at West Ham. Yes. Tevez and Mascherano at West Ham. Yeah. And they were, they were filing legal proceedings, weren't they, when they went down saying yeah. it wasn't fair because as soon as Carlos Tevez was, was deemed right. ineligible yeah. to play because... He, he was party, a third yeah. party before third party rules even existed. As soon as it became illegal, Warnock came out and went, well, we need all of our loss of earnings. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what Neil Warnock did was went to the press, to the public, going, what happened to us, we didn't deserve. It's not my fault. It's not our fault. We were the we were the righteous police, Easy. Sheffield. Yeah. We're, the, we're the, the local lads getting hard done by by this bloody Johnny Foreigner coming over. Leave means and, leave. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. He's that bloke. So this weekend is the weekend he's been waiting for to blame everybody else but Neil Warnock, blame everybody else but Cardiff's position. Now, I have defended Cardiff on this pod, and I've said that they're better than you expect, and they're better than you think, and I still believe it. I think Neil Warnock has, obviously, he's right, there were poor decisions, but he's disgraced himself by how he's acted this week. I, I think the fact that he has alluded to his wife saying, oh, if you'd have punched him, I thought that's okay. That's that, wrong. That doesn't yeah, help. Yeah. That doesn't help a divided country that yeah. he's sitting in. Yeah. The fact that he has actually got the public rhetoric to be how unfair it is that Cardiff are going to be done over. This is the one result they needed. If they'd have beaten this, look at this, you know, it would have changed everything. Now they're so deflated and they've got to go away to Man City. The fact that he's managed to change that narrative by being such a whinger. Yeah. I just think that... But like, I don't think he's trying to do that. I think he is just... He's a, that bloke. He's a miserable So kid, I genuinely yeah. think he's he's been waiting for a moment like this and it's just, it's come, it's the golden egg and he's, he's sitting there going, and you can you can disagree if you like, but but, yeah. but this is the perfect situation for him. I A lot of the decisions, I felt sorry for him again, in this game against Chelsea because a lot of decisions went against them and Chelsea were... Awful. Yeah. Like Chelsea were toothless, dogs. Completely toothless. They had no plan. They didn't do anything. Hazard was on the bench. Kante yeah. on the bench. Hazard on the bench. Hudson O'Doy on the bench. It's like the whole crowd were instantly against Sari. They booed Jorginho off when he went off. Sideways, sideways. They just wanted. But it was them. it was pantomime. When he was standing there on the pitch, like staring out the he yeah. knows that he's creating a story. It's yeah. it's absolute Nonsense. I don't know if he's as if he's self-aware enough for that. I think he's just a bit of a odd, angry man. No, he knows what he's doing. He absolutely knows what he's doing. And but, the, the Neil Warnock brand has been um, illuminated and and solidified after this weekend by he is hard done by. He is not treated fairly by refs. He he's alluded in all of his post-match interviews about the old Liverpool game where they where they played reserves, you know, maybe referees have got it in for him. He's such a defeatist. But I, I, I don't think, I don't necessarily agree with you because I think that he does this all the time. <laughs> he does yeah, this yeah, all the time. Change. It just happens that in this instant there's like He's kind of right. Like there's some grounds for his what's, complaints, what's the term? but he does it all the a, time. A broken rock watches right twice a day. Yeah. So, yeah. so all you got to do is, is make, yeah, make a big enough. make a yeah. big hoo ha about the time when you're right. But I think that Cardiff do deserve some credit. Like putting this game aside, um, we all thought they were going to go down this year. Oh, yeah. You know, they they have one of the worst squads in the league, and I, even if they do go down, I, I think. We'll go on and talk about um, the relegation battle, but I, I they haven't disgraced themselves. I think they've shown real fight. They've shown some quality. They've even if they do go down, they've given it a, a real crack at staying up, and they I think they deserve some credit for that. That's um, my problem. Well, <laughs> it was, in the next few weeks, whilst we're listening to various things about the Premier League, if ever there's an ex Neil Warnock managed player on TV or on the radio or on social media and, and they get asked what it's like to play for Neil Warnock watch their reaction because they all go oh, uh, there's a pause where they go I'm being recorded so I have to be polite but no one likes the guy no he's a bit N- odd yeah, yeah like everyone's just, a... just like oh it's interesting or he's a dinosaur yeah it's, there's it's, no re- and, and this is this is my Problem, and this last one, go bang on about it because I, I hope that I don't have to go down this route for the rest of the Premier League. There's six games left, but Rog, you're right. They deserve more credit. Cardiff deserve more credit. Cardiff are a better team than they expect, and this game should have been about how Cardiff should have beaten Chelsea. This game should not be about the injustice. Camarasa's goal, we should just mention as well. That was a really was good goal. Very, very good. Cracking finish. Yeah. finish yeah. Um, so going on to the relegation battle. 
Cardiff are well in it now after that loss. Fulham and Huddersfield have gone down. It is the end of Fulham and Huddersfield. Um, maybe a little shout out for Huddersfield for Aaron Moy having his couple of years in the Premier League. He'll stay in the Prem. Yeah, do you reckon? Uh, absolutely. He, in my opinion, is good enough to play for anyone competing for the Everton Cup. Yeah. I Yeah, and I think it hurt them this year when he, he got injured quite a bit. He didn't really have a huge amount of continuity this year, and I think he's clearly their best player, and that hurt them. He actually, saying that, he does look a very Wolves player at the moment. Like, he's clever, he's good on the ball in midfield. Like, he would fit into that Wolves team yeah, really, I th- really well. Yeah, I also think that he'd uh, be a really good uh, anchor for James Madison at Leicester. I think he'd play really well at Bournemouth. Um if you if he was uh, threading balls through to Zaha at Palace, I, like, I think that Moy is a top quality player, and he will absolutely be snapped up. I, I don't I, what you said about they missed him when he was injured. I don't think that that's gone unnoticed. Mm-hmm. When they were promoted from the Championship, Aaron Moy was amazing. Mm-hmm. They kept him. They bought him. They put you know. And Wagner said when we when Moy plays well, we play well. Like that, that's the quote. So so I think that that first season. He played well, they played well. Well, they played well enough to stay there. Mm. And then the time that he was injured for a long period, they didn't win a single game. And they, I don't think they played badly. I don't think the way they played this year was necessarily that different to last year. The big thing, and we said it at the beginning of the year, they didn't have anyone in that team who was going to score a goal. No. And so they, there were games when, in, in the spells they were on top in the games, they didn't score. They didn't put the game away, especially at home. A lot of times there were games where they should have got points out of and they didn't. And you can't do that in the Premier League. It's ruthless. Do you think Huddersfield, because and taking Fulham into this question as well. So Fulham came up, spent loads of money um, and got it all wrong, basically. They sprayed a load of money everywhere. and Something like £180 million. They spent more than Wolves. And everyone says Wolves have got loads of money behind them and stuff. They have, but... Fulham spent more and it's all gone wrong have Fulham and Huddersfield are they got the foundations to come straight back up because I think Huddersfield because they haven't overspent and they've got the experience um, I think they've actually got a structure there where they could do pretty well next year Fulham I'm a bit more fearful for they no, could I worry just, about Fulham they're going to lose a lot of players now so then they're suddenly going to be having to rebuild from nothing yeah I think um <clears throat> You you can look at a few different models that have happened in the past. I think Fulham are a bit more of an Aston Villa, which I think they have a lot of highly paid players who think that they're too good for the championship. Mm. And because of that, it's going to be a bit of a fire sale. And the ones that stay will be quite resentful to the fact that they're not in the Premier League anymore because they were sold the Premier League dream. Mm. Um, they also have players on loan that are going to go back. I, I think that they are they need to their play needs to crash. Yeah. Before it's going to be rebuilt again, which is a real shame. And their young players who are good who got them up are going to be sold. I was going to say they'll lose Sessing on. They'll lose some absolutely second. Session. What do we think? Uh, I'm really disappointed with Fulham. I thought they'd be fine this year. Mm. None of us had them in in the bottom three at the start of the year. Um, I think we. It's fair I didn't to say have Huddersfield in the bottom we, three. We were all, no, you, you, you were just up wrong. That. But I think, <laughs> I think um, we were all quite optimistic about Fulham. It's it's fair to say. Um, I think we all agreed that perhaps they got rid of um, Jukanovic a, a bit too a, a soon. Bit too soon. Yeah. But I mean, what do we, what do we think went wrong? Was it recruitment? Was it you know that scattergun approach that really didn't didn't set them up? I think well? they bought they, what they did. The Wolves and like you look at Wolves as obviously they're coming seventh at the moment, and Fulham and Cardiff are in the relegation zone and Fulham are down, so they've obviously done much better but Wolves have kept the core of the team that got them up so all the players that came through and won them the championship are still there then they've added two or three and slowly some players have like um, Den Donker who's played really well in the second half of the season for Wolves but they just slowly bled him in they didn't just go oh new guy who we bought for 15 mil you have to play they went no get used to the style get used to the training get used to everyone and then slowly and, come uh, in Fulham just went here's eight players chuck them in and then got rid of your Kearneys and Sessignons, who were the people that got them promoted. You've just killed the soul of the club. We shouldn't be naive about it. Wolves spent the money the year before they got promoted. Wolves spent yeah. £100 million in the Championship. Yeah. They were the best team the Championship has seen in the last decade. Yeah. And then when they got promoted, their the gamble paid off. Fulham didn't. Fulham mm. got up in the playoffs. 
which means that they panic spent what Wolves had been spending and bleeding into their side. So when Wolves can bleed in Dendonka because they they bought him, they'd already spent a year... Neves is is one of the best midfielders outside. However, they were in the championship. So they, they, they bought early, they bought into the dream early, which means that by the time they were in the Premier League, they had the same coach, the same style, the same players. Fulham didn't. Fulham, as you said, fire sale start from scratch, lose your identity and see you later. It doesn't work. But I, and I but I do, I think there's a lot in that and I agree with your point about you've got to have a core mm. that, for the continuity when you come up to... And I think the most important place to have that and perhaps where you can get away with it is your centre-backs and your yeah. goalkeeper defensively. Like you've got to be defensively sound if you come up. Yeah. You know that. And I think Fulham got a bit carried away with the... Like the cream on top, and then they splashed a bit of money round on like fairly average or not particularly proven centre backs, and they started the season without a clear idea of what their defensive unit was and whether they were going to play three five two or whether they were going to play four three three or or just straight you know flat four at the back. And I think that really hurts yeah. like and and you know Kenny was in and out of the team and he was one of their you know players from last and year. last day Fulham played three goalies in their first team in the first eight games in the Premier League yeah. and not because of injury or suspension or for any reason just we don't know which one's the best yeah well, you and can't that, do that you can't you're doing carnage. it on the hop in the yeah. Premier League it's a recipe for disaster but, I mean and here's the the stat that I think highlights it not one player from Huddersfield has scored more than three goals. However, Fulham still have a worse goal difference. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. that's bad. So, you know, they they were doomed from the start. Minus 46, that is a crap goal difference. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's move on to the Championship as we're talking about teams going down to the Championship. Ross, do you want to give us a little uh, Championship update? I think... um, your boys, Bristol City, did okay this morning. Big win this morning and at the weekend. So they uh, hadn't won in five games and had dropped out of the playoff picture a little bit, having been on a well-publicised winning run to get yes. there. Uh, but they beat Sheffield United um, at the weekend. So it's huge. Did a big away, uh, 3-2. Did a big favour to Leeds. Leeds had dropped below Sheffield United in the automatic promotion places. And then City beat Middlesbrough away this morning, 1-0. Massive result. Uh, Middlesbrough hadn't won in five, so there was some a bit of chanting for Pulis's head. So yeah. all of a sudden, Middlesbrough have been in the playoff places. They haven't been in the top two, but they've been in the playoff places since August. Wow, and they've dropped and out. And this morning they dropped out. Now that, like, that's <laughs> that's a bit worrying because you're like, how you know, at this time of year, and the games come so thick and fast, can you turn that round? Mm. But I think essentially, um, Norwich are up. Yep. Uh, one of Leeds and Sheffield United are up. Mate, West Brom, are, who are fourth at the moment, have still got some interest in automatic promotion. But I think in reality, it's going to be. Um, one of Leeds or Sheffield United um, and then the playoffs is still I mean all the way down to 12th can still get in. can still get in the playoffs so it's going to be a big exciting times over the next few weeks yeah. and talking of football league there was the very exciting Checker Trade Trophy final this weekend is that Portsmouth Sunderland so yeah. for anyone who doesn't know the Checker Trade Trophy is from League 1 down but only league teams but then also includes under-23 teams for the Championship and Premier League. Is that right? Yeah, and that's, that's right, yeah. And then yeah. it's like a... And they have, like, mini-leagues, and they have uh, then they have knockouts, and then it's, it's a weird trophy. It used to no be the Johnston's sh- paint trophy yes. when Bristol City won it. Yeah, You say it's a weird trophy, but didn't Sunderland bring 80,000 fans or something? Well, there were, there were 85,021 fans at this game, which was the second biggest attendance in Europe at the weekend. Only Barcelona have more. That's amazing. Oh my God. Isn't that great? And that's, that's Portsmouth Sunderland, right? So yeah. Obviously, they are... League One teams. They are League One sides, yeah, yeah. But, but with great history. Yeah. Yeah, and huge big clubs. clubs. And cracking game, uh, two all, um, after extra time, and uh, Portsmouth won on penalties. That's the beauty of England, isn't it? Of all of the problems that England has right now, yeah. um, <laughs> it's nice that you can go down to League One and still find football clubs of 40,000 people. So you know, we, we struggle in new footballing markets like Australia and the US yeah. to find fan base and compete for it. 
but it's just sitting there all over the country. Sunderland said they could have sold all 85,000 tickets themselves. Yeah. They had enough people asking for it. And we'll see Which it is amazing. Like, yeah. And that is a lot of people. And when you're at a game of football and there are that many people, the atmosphere is incredible, mm. particularly refined. By all accounts, like apparently it, at some points in the game, it was almost like the fans had forgotten about the game. And it, was it was just, just about off. the singing. Like, and, just, and, uh, and wait till if Leeds get promoted, we'll, we'll see another sleeping giant that will come alive. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, let's go on to side stories. Um, Jeff, did you have something on the MLS? Yeah, I think it's really um, important for us here on the Football Shed to be consistent with our punditry. <laughs> okay. And we gave a bit of a, a bio of Frank De Boer before oh, yes. he took the job at Atlanta yes. FC. Is it Atlanta FC? Yeah. Atlanta United. Atlanta United. Atlanta United. Yeah. And uh, it's fair to say that we gave a bit of an update after a few games. He's not got off to a very good start. So Atlanta, who are the MLS champions mm. from last year, uh, are currently sitting 12th out of 12. Um, they have won zero games. They have drawn two and lost two. Frank De Boer is a fucking spade. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, how does he keep getting jobs? Like, he's got a big, he, was a, he was a brilliant player in his time. He man. was a brilliant player, but he's a terrible manager, which, which he's, and... he's shown to be that he's a terrible manager yeah. a number of times. Are they just all hoping that, oh, maybe those other times were, you know... It's just Yeah, it was just a coincidence. Right. He just had a bad run. This but, time, he'll be really good. Yeah. Remember, he was sacked after seven games at Crystal Palace? Yeah. Seven games. That's it. But that was I, still longer than he lasted would, at Inter. I'd probably last more than seven games because I'd be less arrogant. Yeah. That's the thing. You, know, you could just be a nice bloke and get past seven yeah. games. That I'm not saying I'm a nice bloke. I'm not, but it, it, like <laughs> I could pretend to be for longer than seven games. Um, and on the flip side, the team that were bottom of the um, Eastern Conference when Wayne Rooney joined him was DC United. Obviously, we all know that when Rooney joined DC, they went from dead bottom to got into the playoffs. Yeah. They now sit top of the league. It's amazing. Wayne wow. Rooney's free kick at the weekend it's was so good, absolutely wonderful. So. Like, if anyone thinks that that bloke's still not got it... Or, and I know that he wasn't a big celebrity when he moved to the United States. So it wasn't like David Beckham going. There wasn't a big fanfare. Football fans know who Wayne Rooney yeah. is. But no one was stopping him in the street. If anyone is questioning that bloke now, he is yeah. made the worst side in the Eastern Conference, top of the league. But maybe we... I think we did take him for granted a bit towards the end of his career and forgot how... It's not the end of his for, career, Rodgers. Well, no, 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 no. But at the end of his... I mean the end of his career in England. Yeah. Friendly, at the top level. Mm-hmm. And we we did. I think we forgot how good he was. And he, you know, I think he's now showing everyone how good he still is. Yeah. And I, I, I'm enjoying every minute of it. I'm really glad that he's going out like this. You know, score, you know, banging in amazing goals and making a shit team great. Being ra- a legend, rather yeah. than just sort of fading into insignificance. I just, yeah, I've, I've got to say, I'm a little bit proud of him. Like, I'm really glad he's doing it and doing so well. So am yeah. I. And like, it's really because he, like, when he was 17, 18, 19, he was the most exciting player I've ever seen. Yeah, like, ridiculously good. And he's had his ups and downs and stuff, but for him to still be able to go over to America at 33 and basically be the best player in the league and drag a team from nowhere to... They haven't got any other good players. They've got the same squad they had that was bottom. They just plonked in Wayne Rooney and just gone, oh, we're really good now. Like, basically, the influence he has on younger players, how he manages you know, in-game strategy... The bloke's excellent. And it's not easy to go to the MLS. The, the MLS is not where it was 15 years ago. Players like Steven Gerrard, players like Frank Lampard did stints in the MLS. And they struggled. And did they set the world alight? No. Steven Gerrard came with a much bigger fanfare than Wayne Rooney yeah. and it went to a bigger team than DC United. And actually, you know, he, he was... Said, he came out and said it was too hard. I couldn't. I didn't have the legs for same, it. Same with it. Ashley Cole. Yeah. But Wayne Rooney's gone and he's absolutely dogging it. And he, I mean, I feel that Zlatan would perhaps be a little bit jealous of Rooney right yeah. now, which I love because I mean I think he's there thinking I'm going to be the star of MLS, and at the moment perhaps he's in Rooney's shadow a bit with what he's done. Um, do you have any side stories, Rog? Uh, no. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on something that happened today. Sorry, John. Before or have you got anything you want to? I've got like three, but. Oh, I, go on, you go first. I'll go, I'll go, which one do you want first? One, two or three? Uh, two. 
Two is Iago Aspas. Do you remember Iago oh, Aspas? Yeah. He played for Liverpool. Played for Liverpool. Celta Vigo. He's back at Celta Vigo in Spain. Um, and they've he's been injured for the last three months. And since they've been injured, he's been injured. They've won four points. And they've gone from pushing to Europa League place to might get relegated. They were playing Villarreal, who were one place above them in the league this week. And they went 2-0 down at home. Aspas first game back. He's scored... Um, and then another guy scores, it's two all. He scores a 86th minute penalty to win it, and he gets subbed off afterwards. He's so overcome with emotion, he just burst into tears on the bench, and the whole crowd was just cheering his name. He was just like, This is too much. It's amazing. Wow. So, Iago Aspas, who was awful at Liverpool, good at Celta Vigo. And he's like, he's their best player, isn't he? Oh, by miles. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got back into the Spain squad playing for him. And uh, yeah, it's worth watching the highlights. Oh, well, I'm going to just dish out the opposite story. Then, oh, good. Uh, which is not a feel good story at all. Have you heard of the <laughs> uh, Italian striker Moise Kane? Yes. Yeah, the um, young black guy oh, plays God, for I've been reading it as Juventus. Kane. Kane. Moise, Moise Kane. I, I, Moise Kane. I, I'm like, you know, he's in. Playing in the so, Italian team, and I've, but it's spelled Keen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's really. Um, I've been watching a bit of him lately. Like he's exciting. The kid's good. Yeah. The kid's really good. I uh, got his uh, debut for the national team for the Italian national team recently. The, the kid is yeah, youngest mm. goal scorer for Italy ever, and then the followed by the oldest. Yes, quite very nice. Yeah, so absolutely brilliant. But this morning. Um, Juventus played Calgary. Did you see this story? Mm. Juventus played Calgary, and the 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 poor kid was getting monkey chants by the Calgary fans all game yeah. to the point where the Gross. whole stand behind the goal was in a chorus of monkey chants to this. Kid. Calgary isn't that in Canada? Uh, ca- is it sort of Cagliari? Yeah, that's maybe? the one. Pardon yeah. me. Uh, so the, a chorus of monkey chants, and um, so as is the beauty of football, he scores. <laughs> and he scores at the end that are giving him a sea of, of monkey chants. So he goes up to him and he cups his ears. And um, because of that, the the opposing team, well, how do you say it? Caligari? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, players go up and they start a kerfuffle. Get, everyone gets pulled off each other, whatever, and he gets brought back. Um, now, usually, racism in, in Italian football wouldn't get onto the shed because, unfortunately, it happens on a, on a, Weekly on a moderately regular basis. However, one thing that made this stick out to me that really got to me was um, an interview done with Leonardo Bonucci at the end of it, so the defender, who came out and said, I think the blame is 50-50. What? Moiseken should not have done that, as in go up to the fans and cup his ears, and the fans should not have reacted that way. See, now I... I read. I didn't read any of this, but I. It's really interesting. I watched the highlights of it, so I read the description saying, you know, um, Moise Kane scores. Um, you know, there's there's abuse, and so yeah. I watched it with, with without any sound because yeah. my SBS World Game app's broken. <laughs> I've got no sound Not choice. Uh, so I, I watched it, and then. I, you know, they just replayed it lots that go, you know, see his goal and then you see him standing in front of the fans. And you see um, Bonucci come up to him and kind of like pull him away quite aggressively and like sort of pushes him away, like, you know, stop doing that. Like, you, you know, you're, you're provoking You're them. provoking them. You're bringing them on. So, and I didn't, I didn't like it. It didn't, just watching the footage of it, to me, that didn't come across well. Like you're, you know, is he he's the captain or is he just the? I think. Oh no! But, but he's, he's a senior. He's a, you senior, know, he's a senior player. Just the way the way it looked, it didn't sit well to me. So I find it really interesting to hear that he's saying that because that kind of fits with the reaction. And I, I think that is a disgrace, and that shows how big a problem they have in Italy. That's exactly right. It's not something that needs to be fixed in the football stands. It's something that needs to be fixed in society. Yeah, you know, that's the point. Um, now, for him to come out and say it's 50-50, he shouldn't have provoked them, is the biggest example of victim blaming we've yeah. ever seen. But in response to that, and this is, uh, I'll move on from this, but in response to that, Moisey Ken, Moisey Ken, Moisey Ken, yeah. uh, came out with a tweet with a picture of himself cupping his ears and goes, that's how you deal with racism. Yeah. So, so he came out earlier Great. today. I think that's brilliant. However, I think Moisey Ken will be leaving Juventus 
in the summer. Yes, you Ooh, can't. Man United. Well, this kid is amazing. He's so this good. kid is really, really good. However, you know, we, we're and not crystal clear here. There, there, there was a banana thrown at Chelsea. You know, yeah. England is not a safe haven from racism. No, no. And it was only a week ago we were talking about Sterling doing the same copying action for England and him getting praised for it and good on him for doing it and I the football world's quite small and social media's quite I wouldn't be surprised if Moise Kent had seen Sterling do that and go you know what I'm going to stand up yeah I mean he's just a young kid and he sees Sterling standing up for it but good on him for going no I'm standing up to this and you can give me all your shit you want but I don't care who I am and that makes me proud of Sterling yeah Yeah. exactly you know he's setting an example Hudson Odoi said that that they look up to Sterling in in the team but yeah I, I mean Italy is in the dark ages no, but, in terms of the, the yeah, racism. But, look, Rog, it, it is, but so is the rest of the world. We um, we are we are at a phase, and I'm sorry, because no. <laughs> if you listen to this and you can disagree with me all you like, because we, we're meant to, you're meant to be listening to this, listening to about football, but as far as the world's going, we are in a phase of transition within our society where we are recognising sexism, we are recognising racism as what it is. And just because you have acted a certain way for 50 years, you are suddenly having to look back on your behaviour over the last 50 years and have some self-reflection to go, was I wrong? Was I inappropriate? Was I a piece of shit? And if so, it's a very hard thing to recognise that in yourself, but there is no turning back. And the fact that we have social media and we have platforms and we have kids like Sterling and kids like Moisey Can who can go up and who who can say... They can do what they can do on the pitch and then they can reiterate their message when they get home and it will cause conversation in a podcast in Melbourne in Australia means that the wave is only getting bigger and there has to be a recognition that this isn't something we fix in sport. This is something that is a problem in our society that you can't fight. However, there will be resistance because appreciating that you have been wrong for the last 50 years is a very hard thing to do but you have no choice but to do it. I just... Um, I just don't. I don't agree. I don't. I don't see it as positively as that. I think the situation now is 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 really bad, and it shouldn't be because we should be progressing as a as a society, and we should be embracing multiculturalism because that's the way the world is now. But but we're not, and a lot of a lot of these people get more of a platform now than than they have for a long time, and I, I mean I. I I'm not optimistic about it. I, I think there's a lot of horrendous attitudes out there now that are getting a lot of airtime, and that the the people that that were booing him, again, they were not all old white men. Some of them were probably young white men. Yeah. No, but, yeah. it's, but it's it's a it's a societal problem. Before we keep going on this. I'm going to go to a slightly lighter side story before we go. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. Um, but have anyone heard of Charlie Oatway? Uh, rings a bell. So his name came up on a couple of podcasts this week, and I can't remember why. He's done something in the football world. Did he play for Chesterfield? He played for... <laughs> that, would, that would be incredible if that's the case, Roger. <laughs> played for Brighton. Oh, okay. <laughs> he played 224 games for Brighton, 50-odd for Brentford, uh, 60 for Torquay. Please, um, please, uh, Chesterfield, please. No, Chesterfield. no Chesterfield games. But his name is Charlie Oatway. But his birth name is... Anthony, Philip, David, Terry, Frank, Donald, Stanley, Jerry, Gordon, Stephen, James, Oatway. And he is called all those names because his mum and dad were QPR fans and the QPR team that season were really good so they named him after every single player (laughs) in the QPR team. And his gran says, that's a stupid name. Everyone's going to think he's a big time Charlie. So now he's called Charlie. Oh my god! Wow. And he plays football. Yeah. Well, he's forty-seven now. He's a coach. Do, do you know? Remember the, the story about the kid who was named? Yeah. There's so many middle names that his uh, initials spelt Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are just dickheads, aren't they? <laughs> not the kid. It's not his fault. His parents probably deserve a flogging. Um, <laughs> let's move on to Ed Feature, Jeff. You got a song for us? Yeah, I do. You ready? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of, bit of pizzazz <laughs> this week. I, I panicked. Um, now, at the end feature, we've only got six weeks left, so I feel like we should give an update on where we're at. So in third place is Jeff on $114. Yeah, it's not gone well. No, wait a minute. That 
that sounds quite good. No, no, because you haven't taken into account all the money I've lost. Yeah, but yeah. for for a long while, I remember it being nineteen dollars. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, was. It was. Yeah, um, I'm second on two hundred and ninety dollars, and then Rog is in the lead with five hundred and sixty-eight. So oh. Rog is a long way out, but there's still six weeks left for it to all go wrong. For so Rog. accumulatively. Accumulatively, we're forty dollars up for the year. Oh my god, what an adventure! So, if you bet on everything, you make progress. Just okay, I'm ready. What have you got, Jeff? I think Everton are going to beat Arsenal. Okay. No. Oh, oh god. Were there any laughs? Any laughs there? Did I detect a laugh? No, John. I'm looking at you. No laughs, Roger. Any um, any laughs? You haven't said it's a good bet yet, Rog. No. It is You'll only, see why I haven't said that. It, it is paying $3.10. Everton looked amazing and beat Chelsea. They looked very good against Liverpool and drew 0-0. Everton are actually looking all right in the last couple of weeks. And home form's great. So just Everton to win. $3.10 in the bank. It's actually three twenty-seven. Oh, it's gone up. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Rog, what have you gone for? Uh, I've gone for Everton to beat Arsenal. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> uh, and I've also gone Newcastle to beat Palace. Rafa's got his pen around that one for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, and those two are paying eight dollars twenty. Wow! Oh, he's gone big guns. Um, I've gone safe because I worked out if I win thirty dollars a week between now and the end, I get up to what you're on, Rog. So, so Roger's just got to lose. If you lose every week and I win $30 every week, I can win. So I've got Liverpool to beat Southampton, plus one and a half goals. And Leicester to beat Huddersfield, and that's paying $2.95. So pretty safe. Can I, can I just uh, say on your bet, John, that it reminds me that I am yet to talk a lot about Southampton, and I look forward to doing that next week. Okay, we will talk Southampton. Uh, they've gone week. so far under the radar that they they actually deserve a bit of like um, Southampton bashing. Or? No, no, in a positive light. Remember that they were in such a pickle, and and everything is everything has changed. So, so I'm looking forward to having a bit of a Southampton chat next. I week. would like to point out while we're on in feature that I both my re- results I got right at the weekend. Wolves can't play the shit teams and lost against Burnley mm. and Southampton beat Brighton away in the derby. But but not- I got greedy and put goals in it. So it's your own fault, Rog, for it getting is. greedy. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us a G- email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to leave us a review, tell your mates, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. See Bye. Ya. <laughs>